0: God our clap, our clap of praise. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, if that didn't wake you up, if that didn't get you moving, maybe you need to go back to 2021 and start all over again. <laughs> praise God. We serve a holy God that welcomes us into his presence who offers us the opportunity to praise and worship his holy name. But but here's the best is yet to come. We get to spend eternity with that holy God. All he asks is that we obey him, that we follow him, that we listen after his word. Praise God for our God. Amen this morning. Well, welcome to everyone that's present here this morning. And of course, to those that are online haven't seen you since last year. Where you been? (laughs) So it's so good. I thank the worship team this morning for leading us. And as we gather this first Sunday, of 2022, I, I know that many of you, as I am, we're, we're just looking forward to this new year. We're looking forward to the new year that the Lord has given to us. And, and so this morning, I'm going to present the topic of running after the Word of God. Running after the Word of God. We're going to use Psalm 19 as the backdrop For this important topic, we're we're going to be talking about, as we run after God's Word, why is that so important? Folks, it's important because God's Word is sufficient. We're going to talk about sufficiency today, but let me kind of begin by first thanking Colin Hughes for the message that he presented last Sunday. If you you haven't had a chance to to listen to that, go back to the website and, and pull it up. Colin did a wonderful job. Uh, presenting to us Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Uh, Colin talked about what does it mean to walk in the Spirit so that we can carry out God's will for our lives. To walk in the Spirit. And uh, there was a quote that uh, I've taken from, from Colin's uh, sermon. You know, at times you may hear me call him Colin. And the reason being is my first son's name is Colin, spelled exactly the same. So forgive me if I I make that little faux pas. But but Colin declared that the old us is still in us. The old us is still in us. I look at the old year that has has passed behind. I'm ready to leave it behind. But in ways, it still wants to kind of linger along. We've got to recognize that that old us tends to just hang in there. So I appreciate Colin uh, for bringing that out for us. But now as as we talk a little bit about running, and and Colin's talked about walking, let me kind of put those two together. Here's how I, I kind of think of it. In order to walk faithfully, As a believer in Christ, we must run with patience the race that is set before us. Let me just say that again. In order to walk faithfully as a believer in Christ, we must run with patience the race that has been set before us. So now, now if you're like most people, if you're like me, as we gather for this new year, it's, it's a great time to both reflect and to refresh. A time to reflect on the year that has just come to a close, but a time as well to refresh the commitments that many of us have made to follow God and to do all that he has called us to do. Now, as we look at uh, refreshing this year, uh, I want to call your attention to uh, a subject that is old as creation itself. I want to talk about what it means to look at the importance of God's word for his people, and in particular, the subject of why is God's word sufficient? Now, let me ask a question. How many runners, runners do we have out there this morning? How many people enjoy running? All right, we got, we got at least one, maybe two, <laughs> three. Wow. <laughs> okay, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> I ran track in high school, and it really helped me to understand the benefits of of running both physically and mentally. But I've got to admit, I gave my track coach a lot of headaches. I just gave him a lot of headaches. And I think the biggest one was the fact that I was a poor starter. It didn't really matter. It didn't matter if it was practice or if it was a, a race. I just had a hard time getting out of the blocks. Now, I was a distance runner, so I had plenty of time later on to kind of make up for some of those mistakes of being a poor starter. And, and I had a pretty good kick at the end of the race. But you know, as I thought about it, the you know, coach was right. coach was right. You know, how you start a race has a Im- big impact on how you run the race and how you finish the race. So as I s- think about this year and, and the beginning of this year, I want you guys to start strong. Now, to start strong, a key aspect of that is to run after the Word of God. Now, the Bible gives us plenty of exhortations about the importance of what it means to run well in order to finish well. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says that the race is not given to the swift, but to those who endure 1 Corinthians 9, 24. So run that you may obtain the prize. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. To run well, you need to start well. Now, all right, so coach was on me. So so what did I do? I got tired of him driving up behind me and, and saying, Cage, you just need to pick it up. So I, I, pretty soon, I, I'm not, not that dense. I figured I needed to do something. So, here, so here's what I did. As I started the race, what I used to do is just sit back and I'd look at the competition and I'd get my eyes fixed on the person that I thought was going to win the race. And what I did was, I fixed my eyes on him and as soon as he started, I was right on his back. He was my pace setter. So the key for me in order to run a race well, was to fix my eyes on the winner of the race. Well, for the Christian, who's that winner? It's Jesus Christ. We we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Somebody ought to write a hymn about that. (laughs) We ought to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the, the, the master of the race. He's the one that will emerge victorious. And here's the the best way to fix your eyes on Jesus is to, to take the words of the Bible and ingest those in your heart. Here's how I think about that. If you're not running after the word of God then you're simply running in place. All right, hear me now. If you're not running after the word of God then you're simply running in place. And if you are running in place long enough, then you are in danger of digging yourself into a hole that may prove difficult to dig out of. So if you're, running after, if you're not running after the word of God, then you are simply running in place. And if, you're ru- if, you are, if you run in place long enough, then you are in danger of digging yourself into a hole that may prove difficult to climb out of. See, that's the point that Coach, bless his heart, was trying to get over to me. I I may have had a great kick at the end of the race, but improving my start would have helped me to avoid the need need for digging myself out of a deep, deep hole. It's the point that I want to make as we think about running the race of 2022. Now, if you're not trusting that the Word of God is sufficient to guide you through the issues you face in life, then you're just running in place. You're digging a hole that will prevent you from accomplishing in this life all the things that God has in place for you to achieve. You need to start well. Start well and then keep it going throughout the year. All right, so here's how we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to walk through this this morning. As we examine Psalm 19 and running after the Word of God, the first thing I want to do is is take a look at sufficiency. What does it mean that the Word of God is sufficient? So we're going to take a look at that. As we take a look at sufficiency, then we're going to look at three points of application. We're going to look at an application of Learn the word, live the word, and then lift up the word. So as we look at sufficiency, we're going to talk about how do you apply that? As we learn the word, we live the word, and then we lift up the word of God. So let's take a look first at at looking at sufficiency. And again, Psalm 19 is going to be our backdrop. Uh, Pastor Sam has done a wonderful job of reading verses 1 through 6, for us this morning. I won't read those again, but I do think that's a, a really wonderful way that God has introduced to us the topic of sufficiencies. Now, my brothers and sisters, as I stand up here this morning, I strongly believe that one of the greatest attacks that Satan is waging against the kingdom of God is his relentless attack on God's word. But it's not a new attack. In fact, this specific attack is almost old as creation itself. Psalm 19 declares that from the very beginning, the heavens and the earth declared the majesty of God. And it spoke the wonders of God, and, and the words went out like a tent that covered the earth. And that his voice was strong, and, that a, a strong person runs it with joy. Now, that's the essence of those opening verses of Psalm 19. Again, this, this has been an attack from Satan since the very beginning of creation. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, God has recorded for us the very first interaction between Satan and God's beloved people. Then uh, that interaction was anchored in a direct attack against the veracity and the truthfulness of God's word. It was an attack against God's authority through his word into the lives of his people. Satan, in Genesis 3:1, declares, he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And there it is. There it is. The battle's on. Did God actually say? Well, that's a four-letter, four-word introduction that opens a door that no believer should ever walk through. To question the veracity and sufficiency of God's word is to walk through a door that would only lead to death and destruction. Just a few verses later. After opening this door, Satan reveals very clearly what, what lies behind the door of questioning the veracity of what God has said. In verse 14, in verse 4 of chapter 3, the serpent said to the woman, You shall not, you surely shall not die. Now that's very clear. And summarizes what Satan is teaching about God's word. Here's what he's teaching. Don't believe in what God has said. You can't trust it. Don't believe it. He says that you will die. No, you won't. Just listen to your heart. Do what your heart says. Live by your conscience. Look at the 8 o'clock news. I don't think there's 8 o'clock news, but anyway. Sadly, my brothers and sisters, the attack on what God has said continues to this day. And, you know, it's truly heartbreaking that just like Adam and Eve, the people of God continue to run after the lie of Satan and buy into the belief that God's word is not sufficient to address the issues that we face in our lives today. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But it's true. The Pew Research Center, in a recent study of the religious landscape in America, has uncovered that almost 40% of professing Christians today believe that the Holy Scripture is not the Word of God. They believe the Bible was primarily written by men, and it was. But we'll talk about that here in a second. 40%. Four out of every ten believers do not believe that the Word of God is inspired. That means that, in all likelihood, in all likelihood, four out of ten. There may be some of those here present with us this morning. If you are, won't you please stand? <laughs> don't do, it. don't do that. Don't do that. I'm sorry, Sam. Scratch, <laughs> scratch that one. Okay. Okay, let me, let me be clear. I'm not in 40%. I'm standing on the word of God. All of God's word. Not a part of it. Not the part that I like. Not the part that makes me feel good about myself. I'm standing on all of it. Every single word. Now somebody out there this morning ought to be asking the question, Well, Pastor Al, Why are you thinking that the the Word of God is so sufficient? Somebody ought to be asking me that question. Thank you so much. Amen, brother. Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, here's the deal. I can sum it up really simply because God said it. That's all I need. That's all I need, folks, is the fact that God has said it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the evidences that the Bible, that God so wonderfully and and so lovingly has given to us. Because you know what? We are people that tend to wonder. We tend to forget the the God that we love. So God knew that we needed something to to focus on, to to re-anchor us and bring us back to that place where we can trust him. And so he's given us his word. When theologians think about the veracity and truthfulness of God's word, there's two broad categories that they tend to look at. The, 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 inter, the external evidence that speaks to the veracity of God's word and the, the internal evidence. I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning talking about the external. I know you guys want to get out of here as quick as possible, so I'm going to help out. But in general, the external evidence deals with the fact that God has preserved his word through the ages of history to confirm its unique and supernatural nature. You know, there, there have been discoveries throughout the ages and other historical evidences that over and over again have established the validity of the writings that are found in the Bible. The Bible reigns supreme as the, most, as the best documented book from the ancient world due to the vast number of ancient manuscripts that have ensured, listen closely, that have ensured that we have an accurate reproduction of the original documents. We don't have the original documents, but God has made sure that we have an accurate reproduction of what thus saith the Lord. From the lives of the men who wrote the Bible, to the words of Jesus Christ himself, we are assured that both heaven and earth will pass away before any of the words of scripture will expire. That's Mark 13, 31. So there is overwhelming external evidence to establish that what is presented in our Bibles is indeed the work of a supernatural God. No question about it. But it's the internal evidence that that really gets me hyped. It's the internal evidence that speaks to the authority of the Word, of Scripture. That's the the evidence that's presented inside the Bible itself that lets us know of this treasure that God has given to us. A treasure that was written by 40 authors over, over the period of 1,500 years. Just think about that. I tell people things one day and the next day they've forgotten it completely. 40 authors, 1500 years. It's truly a miracle that we have preserved for us through the hand of God, his word. So, so let me just, let me let the Bible speak for itself. Let's do that, okay? Well, what does the Bible say? We've already read Psalm 19 verses one through six. Uh, well, let's, let's look at other, uh, Testimonies from the internal nature of the Bible. 2 Peter 1, verses 20, 20, 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. bye by interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. These are the words of almighty God. Let the redeemer of the Lord say amen. 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 But yet, in spite of this clear testimony from scripture itself, that we could have absolute confidence in God's truth, and the sufficiency of God's truth, there's still too many believers that are floating back and forth about trusting God's word. And as a result, they're leaving the Bible behind and they're running to other sources. Leaving the Bible behind and running to other sources of truth. Jesus declared in, in Mark eight thirty six, but what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. I don't know what the world is offering you, but if it forces you to make a choice between human wisdom wisdom and philosophy versus God's word, you've got to choose God's word. And if you are not 100% certain that God provides the solution to all, to all that is broken in the world, then you're buying into the lie of Satan and declaring that you don't trust what God has said, here's the bottom line. The word of God has always been sufficient, is currently sufficient, and will forever be sufficient. And that doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Now, let let me define what sufficiency means, because I need to talk about what it is and probably what it's not. So I'm going to throw a definition up here on the board, and And if you want to take a minute to write this down, please do so. Sufficiency describes the unique nature of Scripture in the life of the believer and in the functioning of the church. Scripture is the all-encompassing, authoritative source of the principles that govern faith and practice. The Bible is complete and final. It contains the Word of God, that are required for salvation, for training in holiness, and for trusting and obeying him. you want me to read that again? I kind of like the way that's it. I think Terry did a good job of writing that. <laughs> Sufficiency describes the unique nature of scripture. In the life of the believer and in the functioning of the church, scripture is the all-encompassing authoritative source of the principles that govern faith and practice. The Bible is complete and final. It contains the word of God that are required for salvation, for training in holiness, and for trusting and obeying him. End of story. End of story. If I had a mic, I'd throw it down. Okay? But let me break it down just a little bit. Now, first, sufficiency does not mean that the Bible is the only means of communicating truth. But it does mean that the Bible reigns supreme over any other source of truth. In other words, all sources of truth must be consistent with the truth presented in the Bible. Now, the Bible doesn't speak to every subject. The Bible is not a science book. It's not a medical book. It's not a book that describes how the Internet works. But even in those areas that the Bible does not address, it provides principles that apply even to these unspoken areas. For instance, the Bible doesn't address Facebook. But it provides the principles that all believers need to understand as they put stuff on Facebook. (laughs) You got that? Okay, good. And that goes for everything else that occurs in life. How we conduct ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ is the specific point about sufficiency that I want to address this morning. I, I like what Carl Truman, professor of biblical and religious studies at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania, has a say in this regard. We used to live in Pittsburgh. Grove City is right north of Pittsburgh, and that's one of the prettiest little campuses that I've ever been on. Professor Truman writes, Scripture is sufficient for Christian practice. At the level of behavior, Scripture offers principles which guide believers in their day-to-day lives. Now, this can be a complicated area. Scripture provides fully adequate and sufficient general principles which can be applied in specific ethical situations. For example, The Bible may not reference stem cell research, but it contains the principles that should shape our attitudes towards such. In other words, directly or indirectly, the truth presented in the Bible impacts everything that we do in life. But here's the sad reality. The sad reality is that that we live in a world that is full of options for people to turn to in place of the word of God. This is especially true in a world where the marvel of science and technology are being unveiled at breathtaking speed. Who wants to take a trip to Mars? Well, that's less than the number of runners in this place. <laughs> if somebody can talk Terry into going with me, I'll go, but she's not going. So, but let me clear something up up front. As a fully and properly educated and trained and registered professional engineer, I'm totally supportive of science and technology. I was blessed with a 30-year career with one of the leading technology companies on Earth. So this message is not about questioning the nature of science and technology. I, I believe God, out of his care for all of humanity, has blessed us with those disciplines. And I look forward to seeing what continues to come out of the laboratories that will bless our hearts, that bless our lives. But I need to be clear about this. When science or technology or politics or human philosophy or any other thing declares that God's word is insufficient in any way, I'm here to tell you, don't buy into it. Don't buy into it into it. Instead turn to what God has commanded that his people should do in regards to working out the issues of life. The word of God is clear for it declares in Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not Be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Are you wandering out there lost, insecure, worried, full of anxiety, depressed, addicted, crippled? The list goes on and on. It will be healing to your flesh and a refreshment to your bones turn to God's word it is sufficient and as a christian if you're running to anything else other than the word of god to find direction for the issues of life you're doing something that is far worse than running in place you're running in the wrong direction that's far worse and running in place, you're running in the wrong direction. All right, so let me quickly get to these points of application. Um, the first one is to learn the word, verses seven through ten out of Psalm, and and I just appreciated so much, uh, Pastor Jake Bishop coming up and talking about our equipping classes. And I've always said, if it's worth saying once, it's worth saying again. And so as, as I talk about this, I, I just want to encourage you to really take Jake up on what he's asked you to do, to enroll in these equipping classes. Let's, let's look at uh, verses 7 through 10. As I read through those, I, I want you to look at the benefits that we get from learning the Word of God, from learning the Word of God. Verse 7, we're going to walk through these, I want you to be looking for these benefits. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. All right, so here's the blessings out of that verse alone. There's two that the Lord said to me. It revives the soul. I don't know about you all, but sometimes I just need revival. I need that spark to be rekindled afresh. I'm so glad we came to worship this morning because, Lord, I've been revived just being here with y'all. It revives the, the, the soul. <laughs> all right, here's the next little blessing that I get out of verse 7. And, and somebody out there is going to say amen to this. It, it makes wise, simple-minded people wise. I, I need all the help I can get, folks. It makes this simple mind of mine wise. Those are two of the blessings that I see in verse number 7. We're going to walk through the rest of them. Look for the blessings. You got me? Say amen if you understand where I'm going. All right, verse number, number eight. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Verse nine. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10. More to be desired are they than go even much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb and innocent of great transgressions blessings from learning the word of God verse 8 it brings rejoicing it makes a sad heart glad it is pure it leads people from darkness to light verse 9 it is clean It addresses the the things in life that we fear. It is true. It establishes rules that are fair and right. Verse 10, it is to be treasured highly. Hey, it's more desirable than gold. It presents the good news. It cleans our, our, our lives of sin. There's blessings as we learn the word of God. And as you meditate on these verses, I know that he will bless you as he's blessed me. So, now, but here's the challenge. Here's the challenge, folks. That's why the Holy Spirit inspired Psalms 119 and verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We've got to do something. We've got to run after the words of of God. We've got to do what every Awana student knows. We've got to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who needs not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Here's what Jesus said. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So as we start 2022, we need to make a serious effort at running after the word of God by learning God's word. And that's why we at this church have established those equipping classes. They meet on Sunday morning. There's six of them. Please, if you have not already done so, sign up for one of these classes. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful places to understand what God has said in his word. And I guarantee you, guarantee you guys, there's no running in place in these equipment classes. Sign up for one. Here's the second point. Live the word. Verses 11 to 13. Live the word. Again, Psalms 19, verses 11 to 13. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. So just says, with the benefit of learning God's word, there's also great blessings by living out the truth that is found in these verses. The psalmist says that by living out God's word, we discover the sins that are buried in our hearts. We learn that pride is an issue that we must deal with on a daily basis. We learn that sin is working each day to have dominion over our lives. You know, it's hard to figure out what those hidden faults are. And we each have them. Jeremiah 1911 says that the heart is dark and deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? You can't trust your heart. But let me share this little secret with you. When when you come together in fellowship with other believers and live it out together, God does amazing things in helping you to see. How you really are. Terry tells me my faults all the time. Okay? And she does it in a way that I know God's behind it. And because God's behind it, I'm willing to listen to it. We need to gather together in groups so that we can live life together. Here at West Park, we we have our community group ministry. We have 18 community groups that have already started and more that are on the way. And these groups have been kept intentionally small in size to facilitate an atmosphere of transparency and intimacy. The groups meet weekly at a time that's best for the group. And there's a heavy emphasis on prayer, fellowship, and discussion application of the word of God through the message that has been preached on Sunday morning. These are wonderful opportunities. These are wonderful opportunities to come together and have the word of God bind us in fellowship in community with one another. I encourage you, if you haven't already done so, get involved with a community group. If you, want to have, if you have questions about there, call the church office and we will gladly give you the information that you need in order to get connected with a community group. All right, last point, last point of application. First point was learn the word. Second point, live the word. Here's the next point. Lift up the word. Lift up the word. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Look. I want to appeal to every believer this morning to renew your commitment to the ministry of prayer and your walk this year with the Lord. You know, we have to run after the word of God. There's no doubt about it. But one of the signs that demonstrates that indeed we are running after God's word is that when we have ingested God's word to the extent that as we speak and as we talk, Those words come back out. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. When it comes to prayer, I found that when the words I pray to God are reflective of the words that God has given to me, my prayers have a richness and a depth to them that surpasses anything that I would come up with on my own. As I infuse my mind with the words that come from God, and I base my prayers on these truths, my spirit is revived. And I find that the words I offer up to God are just different, they're just different. And because God is sufficient, there's nothing in my life that I need to pray about that I already recognize that God has already spoken to. So now as I pray, I pray with confidence and boldness and certainty that God hears my prayer. Last year, God moved in my heart to reach out to a a very special group of men to come together in a focused prayer ministry. Now again, hopefully you get the impression that I value the ministry of prayer. Uh, And I've just participated in special prayer groups throughout my Christian experience. I understand and accept the Apostle Paul's exhortation to pray without ceasing. Prayer is a constant part of my life. But this little prayer focus that I had with my brothers in Christ and that I participated in last year was one of the most impactful things that I've ever experienced. It had an immense impact on this area of focus that this group really dealt with during this past year. And so here's what we want to do. I've talked with the group, and I've talked with the leaders of our church. We, we want to roll out on behalf of the prayer ministry leadership team an invitation to every married man that's in our church, that's hearing me over the Internet, uh, to join in this focused ministry on prayer this year in 2022. So if you're married or planning to get married, or you want to know about more about marriage and prayer, I would like to invite you to join me in a short, okay, hold on now, a short Zoom meeting. Okay, I hope that didn't turn everybody off. But next Thursday, January 6, 6 p.m., we're going to host a little Zoom meeting to talk about this spare, special prayer focus. You're going to see a uh, QR code that's going to pop up on the screen there's one on the back of your bulletin. You guys know what to do with those, right? Take out your phone and take a picture of that thing. Or use the code that's on uh, the bulletin and it will give you the information you need to join the Zoom meeting next Thursday. And if, if you don't like doing that and you feel like you just need to talk with somebody, call the church office and we'll get you the information. Now look, I know we're all busy And you're probably thinking, there's another thing to squeeze into my schedule. But I wanna say this, if you're serious about running after the word of God and impacting your marriage, men, join me next Thursday night. Now I know that this particular emphasis is on married men, but on behalf of the prayer leadership team, they're gonna be rolling out other initiatives this year for other groups, focus groups in our church. So keep your eyes and ears open, okay? But please, husband, here's the code. Join me next Thursday, 6 p.m. on Zoom, and you're gonna experience something that I think will impact your marriage. All right, I'm at the end. Running after the Word of God. I've asked the worship team to come up as we prepare to close. As we run after the Word of God, why? Why do we run? Because the Word of God is sufficient to provide instruction guidance and direction for everything that we face in life how do we run after the word of god we learn the word of god so enroll in one of our equipment classes we live the word of god contact the church office as soon as possible about getting linked to a community group we lift up the word of god keep your eyes and ears open as the prayer ministry leadership team rolls out specific opportunities to impact your prayer ministry we're living in dark times these are dark times we need to turn to god's word for how we ought to live i'm going to leave you with one passage this morning as we close our time together psalms 119 verse 105 your word it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let's get to running. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.